Hey guys, and welcome back to Literally Heinous. And today we have our very first guest, my first interview subject, my mother, Sarah. Hi, mom. Hey, Lily. I'm happy to be here with you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how we know each other? Okay. Well, we know each other. We go back. We go back way, way, way yeah, back. Yeah, like a long time. Yeah, I think like 25 Five, years. Yeah, it's got to be 25 <laughs> years. Crazy. And I remember the first time I met you. Really? Yeah. Oh you my were, God. You were blacked out. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why we're having this conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I. Um, for the past many years, I've been on a personal growth and self-awareness spiritual journey, and um, I have come to know many things through life coaching, my yoga teacher certification, and I'm also a Reiki master, and I practice that energy work intuitively and empathically. And most recently, I have turned all of this into a business, which I am going to launch today, hopefully, called Soul Stretch Retreats. And what we do is we give people time and space to come and uh, relax, reset, refocus, and re-become who you are before the world told you who you should be. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later and you can tell everyone more details, but be sure to check out my mom's pages. I'll be sure to link them in the assets for this episode. Um, so in my first episode, I talked a little bit about my dry month. I did a dry half of September and a dry half of October. And a lot of people responded and really resonated with that. So I thought, what? who better to talk about <laughs> sobriety journey with it? My mom. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit in like the least incriminating details about your sobriety journey and how you got to where you are? Well, first of all, I'm really glad that you gave me a heads up on that because it, 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 I have to rack my brain to figure out the least incriminating. But what really started this journey is, um, you know, I was in high school. I had my first drink at 14. And I loved the way it felt. I remember, I resonated with Matthew Perry when he said that, like yeah. the way it felt. I remember that feeling. I remember it vividly, like we're sitting here. And um, it just became a habit. And I ran with a pretty fast crowd in Buckhead. And, you know, we just didn't really, we didn't have the awareness that you all have today around drinking and sober curious. None of those terms, alcohol free, none of that was around so we kind of you know kept our our party and ways going mm -hmm. and um you know we we ran around buckhead and painted the town a lot and it got to where alcohol really started affecting me on all levels mentally physically emotionally and i didn't even know at that point but spiritually and um the hangovers became worse and the anxiety that goes along with that and i just put on a ton of weight couldn't metabolize it and I just got sick of feeling like shit all the time yeah so for those who don't know Buckhead is sort of like the Beverly Hills of Atlanta I guess I'd say so it's like a smaller city within Atlanta that's a lot of bars big going out scene a lot of celebrities live there um, so I know when you were in your 20s, you were kind of like a Paris Hilton of Atlanta, mm -hmm. but in a good way. <laughs> so when did you start having that like realization that alcohol is just not working? I would probably say in, in my mid 30s, it started to be where we would go on, you know, trips or vacations. And, and those can be kind of lawless with yeah. the drinking. And I would come back and need a vacation from my vacation. It would take me, and then the older I got, the longer it took me to recover. Yeah. 
And, you know, I would from time to time, you know, when the internet was just being born, Google, do I have a drinking problem or what it, what is a drinking problem? Yeah. And, and I started to become aware of it then, but we didn't really, I didn't talk about it mm-hmm. because there's so much shame around it. Um, and I, one of the things that I love most about what's going on now is that you're, you all will talk about it. And in my honest and humble opinion, it's really, if you have a real drinking problem, you're going to not want to talk about it because there's so much guilt and shame associated with it. And so I feel like if you are willing to open up and you are willing to have conversations around it, then maybe you don't have a drinking problem or you do, but just becoming aware of it um, to take some of that stigma away, yeah. I think. I agree with that. And I think that like drinking problem, like for so long, it's ingrained in our heads that like you have a drinking problem. You're like robbing liquor stores, like drinking your own throat, like crazy shit. Like you need to go to AA, but like it's all kind of a spectrum. And like, at least in my opinion. So can you talk about like, so I think people have a hard time admitting that they either want to quit alcohol or they just want to like revisit their relationship with it because it makes people think it makes other people think that they have a problem Mm -hmm. so can you like talk a little bit about that or like is that true yes I could talk about that and I did want to say that your um, last your previous uh, episode which was your first episode when you said something about our family and and everybody's in AA that made me laugh out loud because in my family when you had a drinking problem that's what you did Mm -hmm. you went to AA and you labeled yourself an alcoholic and I have come to find out through my time in the seats in AA that I I could never say I'm an alcoholic yeah I didn't want to label myself negatively and I really and truly after I spent enough time there came to find out that my drinking was really to cover up a lot of pain from a lot of childhood wounding, and that doesn't make you an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And so to your point, and if you, can you remind me again what your exact question was? Yeah, I guess, um, like, what would you say to people who are too scared mm-hmm. to talk about, you know, I don't want to say alcohol problem, but to talk about, like, their concerns around drinking mm-hmm. because other it might make other people right. think they're an alcoholic. right. The first thing that comes to my mind is that's a them problem, mm-hmm. not a you problem, right? So you have to do what is right and resonates for you. And a lot of problem around that with your age, and, and I still do it too, so please don't think I'm separating us, is um, what other people think. Yeah, And I'm here to tell you, as 27 years your senior, that the sooner you let go of that mindset, the more free you will become. Yeah. And that takes practice. It takes really a mindful practice of of being aware, self-aware, and becoming confident in who you are and not letting what other people think influence you, especially when it's something so deeply and important as... Am I teetering on the edge of a of an, a problem, a substance abuse issue? Yeah, and and being and, and I would say finding people that you trust to talk to, which and I'm so honored that you chose me to talk to about it, and finding somebody that won't shame you, somebody that will look at you and go, 
I have been there mm-hmm. and you're going to be okay and here's what worked for me. Yeah. And and back to your point, you know, what do you do about other people? You're, you're just going to have to let go yeah. of other people's opinions of you because everybody has an opinion, an opinion, mm-hmm. everybody. And if you ping pong back and forth between who's thinking what, you're just going to create chaos in your mind on top of worrying about do I have an issue. Yeah. And I also want to reiterate that like alcohol is just such a spectrum. Like you can say substance abuse, you can say substance use, like, but also there's some people, and this is how I was when I was in college. I just felt that we were consistently binge drinking Mm -hmm. every single night of the weekend. And I was never like dependent on alcohol. Like I would be fine if I didn't have it, but it's just like all my friends were doing it. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people that just like the circles that they run in, it is the only thing to do. And for me, I got really bad anxiety. Like I would Mm -hmm. wake up on Sundays and just be unable to function. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really hard to deal with when you're in your 20s when there's so much of an alcohol culture. So what do you say to people that just feel like their only friends are the friends that they drink with? And like, how do they navigate that? Again, I'm going to circle everything back to self-awareness and being aware. And so when you become aware of that, okay, everybody's drinking, I'm binge drinking, how do I get out of this? Sometimes it, it really is, you're just going to have to change your playmates yeah. and your playground. Yeah. And if your friends are true and good friends and you say to them, look, I'm kind of like curious around my, my drinking a little bit and I think I'm going to take a break or, you know, take a look at this, then those friends are going to support you. Mm-hmm. If your friends are overly concerned that you're not drinking and how it affects them, I say run, don't walk. And I know it's easier to say and I've had, you know, a lot of more experience that I can tell you everything is going to work out. And I know that it is, mm-hmm. but it's hard to see that when you're your age and everybody's doing it and you are actually in the picture. You can't see outside of that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, we had some people write in for some mom talk advice. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you some of the questions that people asked. Okay. Um Someone wrote in, I just stopped drinking indefinitely until it feels right and safe again. Drinking culture makes it so easy to form a habit, and I want to be intentional about when I'm drinking, especially given my family history of addiction. How do I get over not feeling like a wet blanket when I go on dates or meeting new people? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things I love in that question. Um, the habit and uh, the word intentional and uh, ingrained in my family, those are all things that I can completely completely 100% relate to and I found too that when my drinking would become an issue it really was because I had let it become a habit Mm -hmm. and and when you have a habit like that especially one that um, has like a lower vibration to it you kind of go on autopilot like sometimes you know I'm pouring that third glass of champagne and I'm not even aware of it it's it's the habit just the keeping on going um so I would say you know you're so on track with recognizing that it's a habit and the fact that you would like to be intentional around it is going to set you up for success and as far as being a wet blanket again it goes back to if you're with somebody and you're not drinking and they think that you're a wet blanket 
I think that's a them problem again. Yeah. And, you know, you probably don't want to really spend a whole lot of time with somebody that thinks you're a wet blanket because yeah. you don't drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me, either, like, you as the non-drinker have to be okay with being in situations mm-hmm. that people are drinking and being the sober one in mm-hmm. the room and being the DD or being the sober person at the bar. You have to, like, be okay with it and not mind it. Or you need to date someone that doesn't drink with you Mm -hmm. or I don't know because I mean for me personally like when I do my dry months I don't want to be at a bar I would rather just like not be at a bar I'll go to a house party but like a bar when it's like midnight and the only thing people are doing is like going back and forth from the bar I'm just like I'm not having fun here right um and one more thing I'd love to say about that too if you could find a suitable substitute um, for for example, I drink ginger beer now. It's non-alcoholic. I love the way it tastes. And I'm, I have a mocktail every night. And when we go out to a restaurant ordering a ginger beer, usually they'll put it in a nice glass, you know, with the, you know, pretty ice and all the yeah. you know, fixings. And then, you know, I feel like I'm a part of it with everybody else. Yeah. And if you boil it down, alcohol is just a liquid. Yeah. And that is a really powerful mantra. If you want to be intentional around your drinking, it's just a liquid, you know, and then that kind of leads into why am I needing a liquid that alters my state of consciousness? Okay. A few, I need to like dive into like a few more things. Can you talk a little bit more about how alcohol is just a liquid? What does that mean? And then also, can you talk about vibrations? Cause you mentioned that alcohol lowers your vibration. Like what does that mean? Okay. So the sooner that you accept and that everything is energy and energy is everything and that's not woo it's it's quantum physics and i don't have all the words to explain it concisely and you can go do your own research but we are we're all energy and energy puts out a frequency a vibration and everything has a vibration and i tried to look it up before we spoke so i would have the exact vibration and i couldn't find what i'm looking for so maybe we could put a link to it yeah. when i do I'll find put it put it on the instagram Yes. That's what that's for. Okay. So um, of the vibration, you want to go, if you want to live a happy and, and free and liberated life, you're going to want your vibration to be as high as possible. So you're going to want to do high vibration things, things that bring you joy and happiness. Yeah. Alcohol um, is a low vibrating substance and it lowers your vibration automatically. So it doesn't. It matters how much you drink, but one drink alone will lower your vibration because it affects your sleep. And when your sleep is affected, mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer with yeah. the Dalai Lama that sleep is, is the highest form of meditation. Yeah. And when you aren't getting solid and sound sleep, everything mm-hmm. is skewed. Yeah. Yeah, I resonate with that a lot because... I think like when I was kind of talking to my friends and opening up to my friends, I was like, I can't like binge streak every weekend of every year for the rest of my life. Like what? And people say like, oh, why don't you just go out and have one drink? Just go out and have two. And I'm like, but it's not like the same to me. Like for me, I would rather not drink at all than just to have like one drink and go out. And it's like multi-pronged because A, if I'm going to spend the money, I'm going to consume the calories. I might as well get drunk and have a good time. Sue me. And B, exactly what you just said. Like, one drink is going to fuck with my sleep. It's going to just, like, mess with everything. So I'm just like, you know what? Why not just 
be sober for a night and just put that little feather in my cap and just say, cool, I was sober this weekend. So I felt like I was giving alcohol itself a lot of power over my life. You know, when I was habitually drinking to the point where I felt like it was a problem, I thought a lot about drinking or not drinking or if I was going to go somewhere, I would need to lift or I'd need, you know, a few days to recover. I mean, it was just so much power and energy that I was giving to a liquid. Yeah. And I think, you know, would think to myself, gosh, would I sit here and drink four or five or 12 Cokes Mm -hmm. or ginger ales or glasses of water in a row? No. And alcohol is a liquid that alters your consciousness. And at bottom line, it's still a liquid. But why am I giving something, like, why do I need my consciousness altered so? That was a big question that came up for me. Like, why do I need to feel a different way? I don't want to be overly prescriptive because I'm not a professional and say, like, oh, if you drink because of this, then you have a problem. But if you drink because of that, then you're okay. Mm. But, like, to what extent do you think... certain reasons denote alcoholism or a problem with alcohol so first of all I feel like if you're you know your drinking is fun and you're enjoying it and you're not feeling too much wreckage after it then you know you're probably in the in the safe zone with it I think you you teeter on the issue problem abuse spectrum when the drinking is is fucking with your head really like when the hangovers are debilitating when the anxiety around your drinking or the guilt for me it was the guilt and the shame and the remorse and it it just messed with my head so badly and to be honest with you drinking was fun for me until it wasn't and then when it wasn't and I was still drinking that's when I was like I need to look at this yeah so I think like for me um I like definitely dealt with anxiety like that's the worst and like I still do and Mm -hmm. it's so crazy even after like two drinks I'll wake up the next Mm -hmm. morning and be like did I say anything bad did I say anything embarrassing um but it's still like I still enjoy going out like I still love to go out but I also really like the tea breaks too, which is why I do the like one month on, one month or one month off. Um, so we did get one question from one of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I gently tell a friend that they may have a drinking problem? Like, when do you intervene? Mm. Is it your business? Like, what do you do? Whew, that's a loaded question, and um, I get to use one of my favorite terms, and that is where you are going to decide, am I going to have a courageous conversation with this person? And is it your business? I, It's your business if the person is, I think it's a close to you. If it's, it's an acquaintance, somebody you see occasionally, I think you mind your own business. Yeah. But if it's a friend and somebody that you hold near and dear and you are legit concerned for their health mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally and it's and it's something that you've started ruminating on, I think it's absolutely appropriate to have that courageous conversation. How do you do that? Well, my the way that I do it um is I have to connect in with 
either God, universe, spirit, source, higher power, whatever you want to call it. There is a, a power, an energetic quantum force bigger than all of us that arranges everything and it conspires for our success. The only thing the universe wants more of is the creation of more, right? So I connect in with that source and we could, that's a whole other episode or you can come to the website and check it out. Uh, but I connect in with that source to make sure that I'm coming from a place of integrity. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I really state the intention, I'm going to pull up a name, Michelle. I'm really worried about my buddy, Michelle. And I need to have this, I feel like I need to let her know because I care about her. God, universe, spirit, source, will you please fill me with the words that you want me to say so that she can know that she's loved by me, that I see her, that I hear her, and I'm concerned about her. Yeah. And then... I rehearse those conversations in my mind out loud. You can hear me out loud all the time. I will also journal around it and I'll do a little bit of meditation and I'll get my thoughts together. I bullet point. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like three things I really want to tell Michelle and I know I need to hit those three points. Everything else is either gravy or superfluous. Yeah. And then you either schedule a time or what I almost always do after I've connected in with that higher frequency I usually end it with please let me know and show me when the right and perfect time for this conversation is and then I step away from it yeah and 99.9 percent of the time the most beautiful opportunity opens up yeah and it's a really and it usually is a very natural and loving conversation and how Michelle receives that is Michelle's business. Yeah. And you have to go into those kind of conversations going, this could blow everything up and Michelle and I might not ever be friends again, but at least I'll know that I voiced my concerns. So if something ever happens to her, I don't have that on my hands. Yeah. Or Michelle can really receive that information and maybe get the help or get on the path that she needs to get to help herself out. Yeah. That's all really good advice. Yeah, I think just coming from a place of like your best possible intentions mm-hmm. and I like whoever's writing in, like I know that you have the best of intentions um, and just being as relatable as possible mm-hmm. too. like maybe finding a way to just say like, I've been there. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. I don't know if like this person, like if you're in school with them or not, but just like I want to do all that too. Like, let's try and do this together. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing I'd love to say too, and I, and I hammer this home all the time, is integrity is your highest currency. And as long as you come from a place of integrity and love, it will work out. Mm -hmm. And that's where you have to check yourself before you have those conversations. Right. Um, Next question. There's a ton of alcoholism around me in law school. What are some effective sober ways to de-stress? Well, um, I, I have a daily practice that I swear by. I'm not perfect at it, but um, to, for de-stressing, I, I have four components for my daily practice, and it's um, journaling for however long, five minutes, five hours, doesn't matter. Movement, you can go and do a CrossFit class. You can do a seven-minute gentle spinal opener yoga sequence. I do breath work. Um, and I do meditation 
those might not light you up and you might have to find your own things. But what I'm trying to say is you have to find something daily to connect with yourself and to be present in your own body and to be aware of your space in time and reality. And that being present immediately calms your central nervous system. Practiced over time, the cumulative benefits are you will be more happy, more joyous, more free, less stressed. And you'll be able to to really kind of stand in the fires of life without getting burned Mm -hmm. because you're strong on the inside. But that's, you know, all of the practices I mentioned, the journaling, the breathwork, the meditation, the movement, all of them across the board, hundreds of thousands of studies to prove that they calm your central nervous system yeah. and give you peace of mind. But a lot of people want to do it one time or five minutes or for a week. It doesn't work. It is daily commitment, consistency, and repetition. Yeah. You've got to find something that works for you. Yeah. I definitely take like a less better approach I think or it's just like better for me so when I am in my sober months like the weekends are the hardest part because like the weekdays fine like I work I go to the gym I cook I watch a show like that's good enough for me on the weekdays when like Friday night Saturday night rolls around Mm -hmm. and like normally I'd be getting ready to like go out um what I find that helps me is like picking things like the week before that I'm going to do this weekend Mm -hmm. that I'm genuinely looking forward to that I don't need to drink at. So one thing for me, like I loved going to comedy shows. So when I do a sober month, I'll like look up an improv show, a stand-up show near me, go to that. I don't need to drink at that. So then it's still like something that I look forward to and something I'm excited about and something that I wouldn't normally do. Because usually on the weekends, I'm like going out, Mm -hmm. going to a football game, going to a concert. Like I'm not going to go to like... I find that when I'm doing the sober months and it's the weekend and like I already want to be going out like I don't even want to like be staying in like I'm not gonna like punish myself even more by like doing yoga or like meditating (laughs) or doing something that like I don't even like doing as it is because then I'm just like doubling down and like who am I trying to impress like Kit Keenan like no I would rather like if I'm gonna stay in and be a good person like I'm going to do a Twilight movie marathon, mm-hmm. Hunger Games marathon, order my favorite takeout. Like, it, that's good enough. Like, for me, like, I think, like, I stayed in this weekend. Like, I deserve a Nobel Prize. Like, I'm not going to, like, do yoga and meditate because I don't even like doing that as it is. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I, I'm so glad because most people don't. I'm going to tell you something else. I don't really like yoga that much either. You heard it here first. And I've got, <laughs> I became a yoga teacher, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I felt like it was a life preserver at the time. Like, I knew I needed to quit drinking. I didn't know how to do it or what to do. And this yoga just, like, kept kept sending me signs and signs. I'm like, I don't even like yoga. And it was like, do it. And I did it. And I learned so much more than the movement movements of yoga and I'm going to tell you what my main takeaway from yoga and it's what I share all the time is a seven minute spinal opening sequence that targets your central nervous system and when you target your central nervous system you immediately calm down everything in your body so back to your point of I hate yoga and I hate meditating a lot of people do I love what you said about that binging on Netflix if you want to do it what is something that you just want to do and you don't really have time for it, you don't do it very often, do something that makes you happy. That's it. Yeah. It brings, brings you joy. And it doesn't matter what it is because nobody's keeping score. And if they are keeping score, fuck them. Yeah. 
Like the, the way I just like tell myself is like, I'm not going out this weekend. I'm not going out for the rest of the month. Like why not give myself a treat too? And like usually that first weekend I'll go to a comedy show, binge like my favorite show on Netflix. And then by the time like the second sober weekend, the third sober weekend rolls around, I'm like, I, I'm like, maybe I will go to the gym. And I feel this kind of natural like inclination towards like journaling and meditating. And it's because like I didn't force myself. Like I just figured I was... Like, I just felt so much better. Like, I mm-hmm. never go to the gym on the weekends. Never. Mm-hmm. But, like, when I'm doing my sober months, like, I go to the gym because I wake up at, like, 1030 mm-hmm. feeling amazing, not hungover. I'm like, I guess I might as well go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And I'm already feeling healthy because I didn't drink that weekend. And then you're like, look at me going to the gym. And then when you, like, you stack <laughs> all those wins on top yeah. of each other, even though they're tiny little wins. Yeah. You know, you feel good about yourself. No, yeah. I'm like Kit Keenan. Like, I feel amazing. <laughs> and I kind of, I'm like telling people too, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're hungover. Oh, mm, sucks. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. I don't judge people. Of course, I don't judge, obviously. But there is like a, a part of me that's like, yeah, I stayed in this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of gratitude um, yeah. that I have, and I've you know shared with you. I woke up this morning had a terrible headache, and I was hot, hot flashing. And my first thought was, "Oh, I'm hungover." And my very next thought was, "No, you're not hungover because you're not drinking." And <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." It feels like waking up on a Saturday, Sunday morning, like I'm alive, <laughs> and I remember everything. Like this is amazing. <laughs> And then when I, like, can't remember something, it's good to know that it's not the alcohol. It's like, okay, so I guess I'm just crazy. <laughs> I do that all the time. I'm like, whew, and the alcohol all that time. I blame the alcohol. Really, I just have a shitty memory. Yeah, really, I'm just crazy. <laughs> or alcohol on top of your shitty memory and you're screwed. <laughs> okay. Um, one more, like, advice kind of thought uh, from some of our – some other – contributor um i really want to live a more sober lifestyle but i love going out just as much as i love not waking up hungover balance yeah work hard play hard you and you've got to figure out your balance i love um your uh dry months and i think that's really huge um a lot of people won't even entertain five days yeah. Um, so, you know, in that vein, you pick a time frame that works for you, but really and truly, you, you've got to intentionally be aware of balancing it out. And if you're going to drink, enjoy it. Yeah, I think so too. And so some tips that I have from doing dry months, um, I like to pick a month where it's like my social calendar is pretty bleak. Mm-hmm. And usually it's like in December. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, I can't do that because the holidays in my family. Again, my whole family's in AA. <laughs> don't have to worry about that. Um, so like picking a month like where you don't really have a lot going on, like summer, I could never do a dry month in the summer. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. So I just pick like a chill month. And then I tell people and like set my intentions and like make a commitment. Like I'm a very like, I don't know when I like say I'm gonna do something like I have to do it Mm -hmm. or else I will like throw myself off a cliff not really but um telling people and then you can like try and recruit friends and have them do it with you but like I didn't I didn't ask my best friend and roommate Zoe I didn't ask her I didn't ask my boyfriend um I mean it'd be cool if someone did but you can't rely on people because if you rely on them too much and if they slip up and you'd be surprised how many people slip up I was in um, a Facebook group that I'm in for like one of my podcasts 
a group of girls um someone made a post like i'm doing dry december who wants to join so i was in this group chat with these girls that i met online it was like eight of us we would like chat like what we did that weekend like the mocktails that we make every single one of them ex except me slipped and i'm not counting i'm not like keeping scores but like i had in my head like if i slip i'm an alcoholic <laughs> And that's so, like, not true, but, like, I just really had it in my head. Like, I made a commitment, like, if I can't not drink for a month, then, like, I need to go to AA. Like, I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. But then, like, all those girls did it. And I was like, oh, like, that's okay. But, I mean, I still kept it, which was cool. But even, like, when they slipped, like, it didn't affect me at all. Um, and then I said this earlier about planning things over the weekend. I love a good show, a good comedy show, a musical, a play, um, anything like that. Um, and then like just talking about it really helps and having like a substitute. I love kombucha. Like I'll go to a house party and just bring kombucha or mm -hmm. water. Mm -hmm. I drink so much water. I'm literally a camel. Mm -hmm. uh, but that being said, I will be doing dry December. I'm actually doing dry November 27th to December 27th because I want to drink on New Year's. So starting November 27th, I'm doing a dry month. Anyone's welcome to join. I'm thinking we can do like Sunday check-ins and like I'll share some of the ideas that people did this weekend. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I you want to join? No, yes. <laughs> I want to. Well, I want to be the cheerleader. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you don't count. <laughs> You're like the student that was held back. I'll be, I'll be like the room mom. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is our room mom. Um, you know, I want to circle back, you know, you're, you know, to say in AA a lot, we're talking to AA keeps getting thrown in here and, I uh, the, I quit, so I was sharing with Lily that I just, uh, October 28th, celebrated two years alcohol-free, and um, I had done another two and a half years before that, and that two and a half years, I did go through AA, and um, I really encourage you, if you're considering, you know, I want to stop, I think I might have a problem, and you want to check out AA, and you find a good group, there's so much positive about the program but keep in mind that it is a program and one of the things that you're trying to do when you're um, stopping your drinking you're cutting down you're quitting whatever is you're really kind of trying to deprogram yourself and so going into another program you have to have a lot of discernment around that because I got to assert I could never say I was an alcoholic I would say I'm Sarah I'm an, and it would catching my yep. throat like Brie Vandekamp from Desperate Housewives <laughs> if anybody remembers that and so I came up with I'm Sarah and I'm gratefully committed to long-term recovery which to me sounded so open yeah and expansive mm -hmm. and I will tell you honestly and not to bash you know AA if you're in it and it's working for you I'm not bashing it at all but for me personally I got to a point in it where it tipped the scale a little bit, where I, I felt very judged for not doing it the right way, and it became like almost a cult feeling to me. Yeah. To me. So I wanted to, to address that because there are so many more options available now. There's so many. I was just looking up, when I was looking up, <clears throat> excuse me, the vibration for alcohol, came across a website called Euphoria AF. I love that show. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> And it was you know, yeah. alcohol-free, sober, curious, uh, smart recovery, recovery 2.0. Yeah. There are so many paths to do it. And, you know, I welcome anybody that's really struggling or just kind of struggling or curious. If you want to check out my website, 
I, you know, have been through a lot of different programs and I've kind of cobbled together my own thing that works. And I think that's perfectly acceptable. Acceptable, yeah. Because if you if you find things that work for you, you're more willing to stick with it. Yeah. Than if you're having a program, kind of, you know, programming you. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. Um, AA, it just has always seemed like this big scary monster that you go with after you hit rock bottom. And I feel like so many people like who just get sober for whatever reason, just like even if they're not like addicted to alcohol, like. It's just like this big scary thing. And even like sobriety doesn't have to be like this, you know, long like lifetime commitment too. It can be like a year on, a year off. Like I don't know, it's all right. And yeah. I agree with that and you know, you'll discover, you know, if you decide to do your resets in your 30 days or maybe you go for um like your friend that wrote in, you know, I'm I'm waiting till I feel safe again. Yeah. All of that counts. Yeah. Every single bit of it counts. And you need to give yourself props for that because it's really hard. And if you're even, if you're interested in this and you're thinking about it, you're in like 5% of the population that will actually look at this and do something about it. And that's, that's something to be proud of. I think you'd be really surprised how many people like can't give up alcohol. I'm not at all. I mean, not you specifically. I'm like, I'm not. No, not you. (laughs) But people like I was really surprised like when I did my dry month when I told people and like I thought that it would be like easy enough. I was like, I can do that month without alcohol. It's almost like I had something to prove. I don't know. Like I got myself in that headspace yeah to myself and so many people responded like that's a crazy I could never do that Mm -hmm. and then the girls that I did it with like they all broke their dry Decembers Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. so I don't know yeah it's really tough and there's two things I want to say about that the first is you know if you take a break and then you go back to drinking I think one of the most important things to be aware of is what is your slow fade Mm -hmm. look like like you know you start back with okay you know I'm I'm off of my reset, so I'm going to go out and have, you know, three drinks. And then you go out and your three drinks becomes five drinks. And then that slow fade keeps going to where you're back in the same position where you started. And I say that, no shame, no blame ever from me. You'll never get that. I say that to create awareness because once I realized, once I was aware of what my slow fade looked like, then I was like, you know what? I think I just am not going to drink. Yeah. It's easier for me. Yeah. And it has been easier, and I don't miss it. Yeah. You know, I've got my ginger beer, and I've got my, my good people, and yeah. things to do that bring me joy and happiness, and, and I'd stick with that. Yeah. I think for me, graduating college really, really helped. Like, four years of college was enough like I loved college like I have no regrets but like four years honestly it was like 3.75 because I graduated during COVID that was like more than enough um and then being post-grad and going out like I live with my best friend of 15 years and I'm finally not long distance with my boyfriend for the first time in three years so I go out with the two people I mostly like go out every night with the two people in the world who know me better than anyone and like we just have this like unspoken thing. Like if I go out with just Zoe, she's able to be like, I think we should go. And Jack can kind of be like, I think this should be our last one. And as soon as one of them say that, because I just trust them with my life, 
I'm like reprogrammed myself to like know when my last drink should be mm-hmm. to like know when if I have one more drink I'm gonna be hungover and now I've kind of reached this point which I never like thought that I would be able to get to like I remember when I first talked to you when I was in college not the first time we talked ever but, <laughs> um the first time like when we started talking about like alcohol and I was like this binge drinking is just out of control I remember telling you and I thought this was like the most original <laughs> problem like I was <laughs> Like the only one in the world that had this problem. And I'm like, mom, when I drink, I don't think about being hungover. <laughs> and you're like, no one thinks about that. And I was like, what? <laughs> I thought that I was like the worst person in the world. And because I thought like I, I like everyone else was like, ah, this will be my last one. I'm going to be hungover. Like, because once you get to that, like third drink, you don't think about the next day. Yeah, all bets are off. Yeah, and now I feel like I've gotten to a point where, like, before I go out, like, when I'm doing my makeup, I'm just, like, by myself in my room doing my hair. I'm, like, thinking, like, okay, I'm going to have, like, two drinks at the pregame. I'll have one drink, a dinner. Okay, and I don't care if pregaming dinner sounds ridiculous. I'm 25. <laughs> like, one drink at dinner, three drinks at the bar. And maybe that sounds like a lot. I don't care. But, like, over the course of six hours for a 25-year-old, that's pretty good. And just, like, setting myself up for, like, what I'm going to do when, that's really helped me a lot, too. And then one thing that's helped me, like, not drinking on weeknights, I found that, like, um, in, like, 2020, 2021, like, the, my first year post-grad, when it was, like, still in the height of COVID, I was, like, drinking a glass of wine, like, weeknights a lot mm-hmm. because, like, I was able to buy alcohol mm-hmm. because I was 22. Um, and I downloaded this app called Dalio. And every day you would, like, check off, like, all the little activities that you did for the day, like, drink and you could like customize them. So I'd say like drink like three bottles of water, went on a walk, um, grocery shopped and like these little things. And one of the things on there was drink alcohol. And I found that I would get this kind of like rush of like excitement when I didn't check um, drink alcohol because at the end of the week on Sundays, it would give you like a rundown. Like you met your water goals like four times this week. You met your walking goals like three times this week. Like you drink like three nights, you drink like two nights, you drink one night. And I, I was like, oh, do that and that reprogrammed myself to not drink on weeknights Mm -hmm. and now like I don't drink on weeknights because I know that one glass of wine will alter my sleep and I'll be in a bad mood in the morning I don't even buy wine so I really only drink Fridays and Saturdays and so what you're saying too is like that that rush feeling that's a frequency that's a vibration right and that and that rush feeling of excitement that's a high vibration that dread feeling of oh my god I drank for like that app saying yeah. that that's a low vibration right yeah. so then you had become aware of this is a low vibration and that's what that feels like this is a high vibration and that's what that feels like and I like the way the higher one feels better yeah so what do I do to get more of that yeah right yeah um and there was another point I wanted to circle back to about when you said, I remember the first time we talked about it. Yeah. I think that is absolutely crucial mm-hmm. to talk about it. Like I, you know, as stated earlier, we didn't talk at all. We just did. We were on autopilot. Yeah. And the fact that you talk about it, I feel like is more of an indication of awareness and heading something off at the pass versus not talking about it 
because you feel shame. Yeah. I think that's a red flag. Yeah. When you're not talking about it. Yeah. Now, if, you know, your boss, your mentor, whoever is thinking you're, you're worried that they think that you have an alcohol problem because you talk about it. And that's again, that's on them. Yeah. The most important thing really is to talk and to be aware. The awareness is critical. Yeah. And just from releasing my first episode, like in just like very overview talking about my sober month, like I never thought that I would get so many responses on that. And like people came out of the woodwork. Like people haven't talked to in a really long time resonating with that portion. And like the people are asking for help. Like this binge drinking culture, this like society of drinking, like for college age and like 20 somethings, like the kids are not okay. The kids are not okay. It's so pervasive. And the fact that you can buy fireball shots yeah at the chevron station when you're paying for your stuff i mean to me it's almost where it's so everywhere that it's hard to escape it and that's where i go back to that you know if you're really serious about wanting to um look into sober curious or alcohol free you've got to think about changing your playgrounds yeah you know and that goes back to well what do i do on a on a weekend yeah you know and and with things that i didn't even know that I enjoyed until I started trying them or like hiking yeah camping and you know biking and shooting the hooch and you know all different kinds of really being outdoor I really love to connect in nature shooting the hooch is (laughs) we're not crazy it's there's a it's not a drink (laughs) it sounds like a heroin like I want to shoot the hooch So there's a river and that runs through Metro Atlanta called the Chattahoochee. Mm-hmm. And to shoot the hooch is to like go uh, get your floaties and like float down the river. Mm-hmm. So it's just like shooting the hooch. On that note, we're going to call it for today. So thank you, Mom, for joining us in our intro episode of Sober Curious. And we'll be back for a part two. Mm-hmm.